This is the Wizards Nightshirt Podcast, episode 52. Welcome to the Wizard's Nightshirt. This is episode number 52. I'm Will, and here with me are the from the side of evil, Scott. <laughs> Hi. And from the side of evil, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> At the Wizard's Nightshirt, we're reviewing He-Man, Masters of the Universe, and She-Ra, Princess of Power. Today, we're reviewing He-Man, Season 2, Episode 81, The Arena. The air date for this episode was September 29th, 1984. And in this episode, an alien being forces He-Man and Skeletor to fight in an epic duel that will prove whether good or evil is the most worthy. This this episode, I think when you get into it, might be kind of obvious to Star Trek fans. is very similar to Arena. Wasn't that what you were telling me, Scott? Like when you first watched it, that you, you sort of yeah, picked I mean, up on was, that as well? Was, but, yeah, but but that was more like it was wasn't that there wasn't there like a master to that though though they made them fight yeah I'm embarrassed to say it's been a long time since I've seen this one I just remember him hucking boulders at the Gorn yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but it's the same sort of thing where you yeah I mean you, it, has, it, the, has, it obviously has the same feel mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's there's all all knowing being mm-hmm. and then there yeah he's he's deciding for them that they're gonna fight and you were talking too a little bit we we're talking about this beforehand a little bit that um it seems like maybe they're leaning more into the space kind of setting for he-man as we get into the later episodes a little bit more yeah i mean obviously they i mean they could expand the universe as much as they want which is awesome you know that they actually want to do that instead of doing like one-off mm-hmm. garbage ones or whatever they're actually like trying to incorporate more of the whole universe in the in the storyline well, and and we had noticed that when by the time She-Ra started, it was more of the sci-fi than the uh, sword and sorcery a, a little bit more. So, I mean, I wonder if this is sort of like the point where we're seeing um, culture start to shift toward prefer- preferring the sci-fi space stuff more than the old Conan sword and sorcery stuff. Well, also, I mean, the, the, the during that I'm, during this time, um, the I mean, the space program is pretty, yeah. pretty large, yeah. pretty big. Like, and we, I remember during like. You know, rolling in the TV on the cart to watch the watch the space space shuttle launch in yeah. whatever eighty six, I think it was, or eighty five. I don't know, whatever, whenever it was. But yeah, yeah, I feel like this is almost almost the the bridge where we're moving a little more out of the Frank Frazetta stuff and more into um, uh, you know, getting into you know, we'll see later like the, the Silver Hawks and Voltroni stuff that that we we would end up watching watching later. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting seeing them sort of lean more into that uh, culturally. So we start to get some aliens and and things like that. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. Good segue. Good segue for <laughs> yeah. other cartoons. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think I think so. Thank you, He Man, <laughs> for other space cartoons. This one I was actually kind of. We'll talk about it later. I was, I, I enjoy. I did, I'll go ahead and say I enjoyed this episode, but I was a little worried that it was just going to be a dumb, dumb um, fighting episode. So, uh, but there was actually a lot to this one. Yeah, there really was. I I don't know if you did any research on the writer uh, Warren Greenwood. I don't recall seeing his name a lot, 
And um, I have to say, like, there is a lot of uh, interest there when you've got a writer who doesn't work on the property very often, because mm-hmm. I feel like he was able to be a little bit freer with it. And, like, you know, we saw a battle that was staged in a way that they never do them in He-Man. It yeah. was actually really refreshing and fun to watch. Well, yeah, one of the things we'll talk about is he gets into, like, the real logistics of, like, a battle. Yes. is very realistic. Yeah. Um, I I looked up a little bit about I just IMDb trivia or something, but the guy who wrote this I think was like a I forget what you call it, but um like a storyboarder or something, okay. and he pitched a script and he never did another one. But okay. he was like the first he did a of good a, one. yeah he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really good. After the last after the last um, He Man episode we reviewed where they were fighting in the gallery, I thought this might be kind of a repeat, but it was so out there and so epic, almost Lord of the Rings ish. Um, it was <laughs> it was really really interesting i'm glad that you looked that up because you know when i wrote i did write down his name and then the only note that i made was probably no relation to lee greenwood so <laughs> that was not. my helpful contribution <laughs> there were yeah there were flags but they were goblin banners well since, since we were talking about fighting i was wondering if we had i mean everybody loves a good uh, little kid fighting story did any of you guys ever get into little fights when you were kids or did you do any fighting lessons or uh, get taught fighting or thought you knew how to fight but did not know how to fight or got beat up when people fought you? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I was just taller or bigger or whatever, but mm-hmm. not a lot of people mess with me for some mm-hmm. reason. I, it was just strange. You you were a wrestler. Yeah, but I mean, this this is before this is before wrestling and stuff. I don't know if I was just taller. I don't know if I gave off an aura that, <laughs> that other were people were disdained. <laughs> he was a wrestler. Well, I know he was a wrestler, but also you say that like like he's like the Undertaker. Or <laughs> <laughs> you were a wrestler, Scott. <laughs> yeah, you in middle school. Yeah, six foot seven. What was and, your persona in, in, in rest in, in school? What would your yeah. persona have been if you were a wrestler in middle you school? You had a manager following you around, going. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, I always enjoyed The Undertaker, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, you would have been somebody with zip lines. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would have been great. You zip line into the thing. Yeah, into the, uh, drop kicking them and stuff. Oh, God. I can, th- <laughs> I can think of so many things. I could, like, hook myself up and then, like, kind of, like, swing around and do, like, a finishing move on them. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that yeah. sounds great. That's a good, good idea. I did, uh, I did little kid karate, but it was the worst kind of little kid karate you could do where... The moves were so impractical. It was pretty much old people exercise karate. And you could not <laughs> really use it on somebody. Like the elaborate motions they told you to do to block a punch, people would just be like, this guy's crazy. We're just going to mm-hmm. leave him alone. So I guess it's self-defense in that way. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I, w- I, was, I was at a... I think maybe, maybe one of my friends was taking it or something. I don't know. I was, I was at witnessing a... Um, like they they do like competitions every what however like yeah uh-huh. this little girl was with like so it was like a seven or eight year old girl and she was like had like two katanas and then she was like flipping That's- them around I'm like what the heck is happening I I would have killed to be able to do some type of karate that uh, used. Uh, Ninja Turtle weapons. Although karate doesn't use weapons, I know. But some sort of martial arts that used weapons, I would have died to do that. In fact, I was so desperate, I got this patch from going to one of our tournaments, which meant we did like pretty much line dancing of karate together. <laughs> um, I got this Next patch. Yeah, it said like... Actually, I was going to get to that. Um, it had a patch that said something like American 
whatever association and it Warrior. said it said ass in period and i convinced myself that it meant assassin oh yeah and i, had, I went yeah. and i remember i told my grandma i had on my karate gear like grandma look i'm assassin and my mom was just so embarrassed for everything i was doing she goes, it does not say that it does not say that quit saying that so that that was that was what karate was for like oh also i finally quit the one year i went to the tournament and only went up like half a belt because i got sick and threw up in the middle of the competition so um yeah don't do that you say that's those on are the karate mat. Did you tips. do it on the mat no i went outside <laughs> okay. i went outside those are karate tips from will don't throw up in the competition also i told i told our sensei one time i told him that i felt like this kind of karate wouldn't actually do anything which was very insulting to him and he was very indignant as you might expect and basically just did all the moves as explosively as he could to prove to me that you could anything can turn into something dangerous if you do it fast and i felt like that wasn't a great argument yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look how fast i can go yeah it can hurt you, really. It's like snapping his fingers in your face. What if I snap real close to your eye? You can't see now. Uh, I, I always, I always, if for for the, the there was a Taekwondo place in uh, in my hometown that I lived in, and there was a couple of kids went there, and I I kind of wanted to go, and then I heard stories of the the uh, the the sensei that was there, like. Almost caning kids or like whacking uh-huh. them with a stick. Like I know when they did things wrong. Oh, I've heard of doing it to toughen up your abdomen, but I hadn't heard of that. Yeah, I, that I, sounds weird. I, I I don't know if I got the full story or kids were just like <laughs> kids were just mad because he was like you know hitting it next to them or you know just like yeah. they kind of scaring just them or what's whatever. What's going on with good. everyone's karate? No, no, I mean like it was yeah, yeah. Uh huh. That sounds yeah. wild. That yeah. sounds wild and ungoverned. Just like, yeah. and Will's karate teacher's over here just like popping elbows in his face like, you flinched, you flinched, I see you flinching, I see you flinching. Uh-huh. Like, I, see what damage I can do? I, Damn it, break I, your I, nose. I, will you, I don't want to get off on the tangent, but I just, I got some karate karate memories. I, just to explain this point where I was so desperate to use weapons, and by the time you got to green belt, part of one of the... Um, katas that you would do is you were supposed to get this giant leap from a standing position to kneel down so we jump over the seal in the middle of the room and i remember asking like what is that for like that's to jump over a sword like i ain't seen no swords i ain't seen no swords anywhere what's this when are we jumping over swords i was so mad i was so mad what do people just casually or after boy scouts before and contemporaneous with okay so you you how long did you take karate three four years i don't uh, know so you were committed yeah i mean they had some basic stuff you kept waiting on them swords some basic stuff <laughs> they yeah, never showed up yeah that's true i can i can get out of a hold and if you're holding a tiny stick of wood i can knock it out of your hand <laughs> okay so. all right <laughs> Like we don't measure things around here. Get that ruler out of my sight. I learned some good pressure points in, in wrestling. Oh, good, good. Because you, you want them to be in pain when right. you, when you when you pin them. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh my god. Becca, did you have to whoop anybody? Yes, you know I did. You know I did. You see, talking about she your, didn't join karate. You're safe. People. I, I just That's had to fight on the streets. It's an instinct. You're just a bear. <laughs> She was in the woods. No, my just, fighting story is like, what are you doing rail- in my woods? Who would you beat at the railroad trestle? <laughs> Putting people in cages and trying to drown them. <laughs> Talking like demons. Now, tell us about when you were a fisto. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't evil. When you were wearing your, your gauntlet. But I 
wasn't evil. You're and more of a Cristala. I mean, this is one of those stories that it's like, you know, like we were we were very unsupervised uh-huh. back in the day. We were. We got to Rome. It was like the generation of kids who yeah. got to Rome. That's not fiction, children. That did happen. Yeah. But it is one of those things where you look back and you're like, where were all of our parents? Why was this even allowed to happen? Yeah. Because we were at a friend's house and like the the moms had gone somewhere to like go to the store to get smokes. I I don't know where they went. (laughs) It was something like that. It was not good, right? And the Mm. only adult around was like my friend Natalie's dad, who was a shadowy figure and I not a trustworthy person like like he was just always angrily smoking somewhere. And like, mm-hmm. you know, he was not someone we could go to. And so like Natalie's friends Natalie's brother and his friend were around being like you know like they do and then the friend though was wild and this is like in a suburban subdivision too this wasn't even like some a rough neighborhood but this kid whose name was Jeremy P I remember him. I mm-hmm. hope he's dead now. Um, is his name P? Jeremy P. I remember his real last name. We'll just say. Oh, okay. Right. Jeremy P. Okay. Although Jeremy, I don't probably had a hard time peeing after I beat him up. But um, <laughs> no, that's he's right in the urethra. <laughs> but but he had a broomstick, Oof. and he thought he was being cute and like kind of like thwacking us with it a little bit and he started getting just outright cruel and you know he was saying like a lot of terrible things that sound like hilarious childish insults like like saying i love the new kids which i didn't i didn't love the new kids but then he got really mean and he like hit me across the back of the neck with Mm, the broom mm. and i told him i was like if you do that again if you do that again i'm gonna kick you Mm -hmm. you know where and he hit me again, so I did, and he crumpled like a little leaf, that little piece of I hope he's dead, like I'm so angry. But then at the time I felt horrible, and I started crying, and I'm like, I'm sorry. And then like we had to go tell adults about it later, and then I said I was sorry. You know what, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry I did it. And if I could take back that apology, I would, because he had it coming, and where were our parents? But anyway. I did have to beat somebody up the end. So <laughs> all the other kids just stood by and watched. I had to I, do I, something. I, see, I was in that scenario, but I was the other kid watching the other kid. This is Man at Arms. In Act One, we use a microphone to talk to an alien like this one. Is this thing on? Have you heard the one about the spoiled cousin? She was rude. Hmm, I'm working blue. We came as quickly as we could, Duncan. What's this all about? Well, I have news. Wonderful, exciting news. A peace, <laughs> a pe- so anyway. A peace-loving, a peace-loving alien. Are we alien. doing a He-Man podcast here? What's <laughs> well, it's about on? fighting. Oh, it's right. it's about true. punch, kick, and laser. In the arena. I want to talk In about arena. this peaceful alien named Ohm, mm-hmm. who is visiting Eternia. And it's a big deal. They've made contact with, a, with an alien. And they're acting like this is kind of a novel thing in Eternia. But I assume they're always in contact with other planets. They're just hopping on a ship to go yeah, visit. He's married to an alien. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Like... And they go get photanium or whatever all the time. Yeah. So, but but anyway. They... I guess it was like a new species. Okay. But yeah. I, that, I guess that was their way around it. But yeah. So, so clearly the writer, like, you know, he hadn't mm-hmm. done a deep dive into the lore. True, true. Uh, Here, King Randor, speak into this. You can talk to him through this. I enjoyed that. I was just going to talk about that. <laughs> You're like, it's a mic. Really? Yeah, it's like a rock star microphone. You are Randor, ruler of your planet. Uh, you can speak to Ohm with this, Your Majesty. 
yes. Just the the round uh, mic head. It was hilarious. Now, th- so this is an appropriate person. And, like King Rainer was going to get up there and do stand up. I was like, no one ever noticed how Prince Adam is so lazy. Like, how lazy is he? <laughs> he never does his chores. Adam, you should take more responsibility. They're like, okay, Randor, you're you're not good at stand up. Um, that is a little bit. Track. <laughs> 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 Uh, that is similar to Zorpos on our planet. Mm-hmm. Lazy Zorpos never cleans his vestibule. <laughs> Zorpos. Yeah, uh, but so I also love how Duncan made this probe thing in his spare time. He's like, when I wasn't busy doing all this other stuff, I was like... that power wheel for Orko. <laughs> now I'm going to contact aliens. Because they're kind of like birds. Can you imagine how poorly the space diplomacy would have gone... Their first contact with Alien and got Fisto on that microphone. <laughs> oh my god. What are you saying? <laughs> oh, okay. He sounds violent and aggressive. Okay. <laughs> Something about a spider. So we hear from Ohm uh, that he's a, a race of pure energy who are like older than they can conceive of. They have no bodies. We got some like, saw some space vistas. We went over a planet that had a bunch of cuberts on it. Um, and uh, he tells them that uh, he would like to visit their planet and right now and they're like okay <laughs> also Ohm sounds suspiciously like Prince Adam yes. putting on a fun voice but my desire is to briefly observe your people yes he sounds like um, the was it the oracle or something yeah yeah it's the same yeah. thing it, he's 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 doing a lot of double duty there or else he's just working hard. he's just pranking them I, I just like how he's like uh, you know how how fast you go in speed of light it's like it's still gonna take you a while to get there yeah are you like hanging out like in the next planet because you still got a couple years yeah that was funny to me because I, I assume they can go light speed if they're going to other planets and skeletor is always going on his little chaos missions he can go light speed so yeah the lore wasn't consistent there, but it was still funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's like, oh, can you go a little slower so we can set up some stuff for you? <laughs> yeah. You got to get out the good China. So we cut over to Snake Mountain and Skeletor's getting a big plan together. He is talking to the Goblin Army. Yeah. And so yeah. this is like, I'm literally going to make a deal with you people. And we are going to raise an army and take over. This is like a very straightforward plan. The best plan, well, this is the best plan he's had since he made up that uh, little uh, monster that went inside the machine like a computer virus. But um, this was, fa- like, I, there were so many proper nouns here. I missed, I skipped a lot of them. But they're from a place called Myrrh. Uh-huh. And they just put all these wonderful little details for your imagination in there really quickly. Like, you know, there's going to be a cavalry of thunder lizards and a goblin infantry. And it's, it's, it's oh, fantastic. Yeah. I, yeah, I was trying to write those down, too. He had 500 troops, some paratroopers, for God's sake. That was, <laughs> that was hilarious. It is a multi-attack force composed of laser-armed airships, jetpack paratroopers, thunder lizard cavalry, robot assault walkers, and 500 goblin infantry troops. Wonderful. Uh, so this is what we're talking about. We start getting some real logistics, and this is like these are like uh, reasonable numbers and uh, reasonable troop types for like a real real battle. I mean, I bet the guy who uh, wrote this actually read some history books because some of the tactics he talks about, I remember reading from just you know the stupid history books that 
I read. Uh, so it was it was it was kind of interesting. On a less serious note, uh, the head of the Goblin Army. Did you see he had like a bone lawn chair he was sitting in <laughs> no, when that's he was. Adorable. It was like a little little pop up chair that was made of bones, so he could talk to Skeletor. I love he keeps it in his camper. Yeah, like he's just like hold on. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like a stadium pad on it, like, so like <laughs> yeah, for his goblin fanny. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like it is like a quick wheel, and it's like too old, and they like you know how you sit in like a, a lawn chair, and it's like, and you're like, <laughs> you gotta like click it back up. Uh, we also get some details too about their uh, deal. Skeletor's talking about how much gold each soldier is gonna get. They're gonna get uh, ten thousand gold pieces. Um, it was kind of kind of neat. Yeah, I really did like seeing Skeletor having a plan that there were a lot of moving parts and actually a lot of coordination, but then also it was obvious whether it was working or not. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just some ridiculous gadget or some ridiculous trick. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. <clears throat> yeah, he's totally serious. He has a whole army now. So that's sets... it's not just uh, Beast Man and Merman this is Ohm, and I recognize the formidable power of Sir Orko out of the realm in Act 2. Thank you for transforming yourself to He-Man, Adam. We have no idea about Ohm's reason for visiting us. I want to be prepared for anything. So, uh, meanwhile, Ohm is showing up to do his laser show or whatever at the Laser Dome or whatever it is he's going to do, and everyone's showing up to gawk. And they got everybody there. They had one villager who looked like Greg Allman to me. <laughs> he, he had a, a little beard and everything. Maybe the Allman brothers were going to play later. They're uh, like, we're going to need you to play for about 70 minutes. And they're like, we we'll got get it. their one song. Yeah, we got it. Uh, Jessica can go on for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Prince Adam uh, was not there, uh, which I thought was funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I really want to talk about the Almond Brothers right now, but we're just not going to do it. We don't have enough time. <laughs> Unlike the Almond Brothers. When Ohm comes down, some of the first things he wants to ask about are uh, about Trolla and Orko, which I thought was hilarious. Of all the stuff that's going on, he wants to hear about who Orko is and where he's from. Yeah, like he was the different one. Because when he said there was one of you that's different, I thought he was talking about He-Man. Like, no, he was <laughs> no. talking about Orko. Yeah, my kind of people. And then, of course, <laughs> I'm suspicious of when like this large gaseous being descends on you know your planet and and wants to observe and and you know starts making all these observations about your people. Like, I just I get suspicious. I was, I was like, he's up to something. That gas is up to something. And then. I was reminded of the uh, Mr. Show sketch, the uh, racist in the year 3000, mm-hmm. where David Cross <laughs> says, never trust a man what's made out of gas. Yeah. And uh, it's just, I was just kind of thinking that the whole time about this guy. I'm like, what's he doing? And it turns out nothing evil. He was just kind of smug. That was his deal. He was a smug gas. Who is the little creature? That little creature? I happen to be one of the greatest magicians in the land of Trollop. I see. How fascinating. So is this about the time that uh, Skeletor starts moving, mobilizing his army and they start uh, attacking some outskirt villages right outside the kingdom? And we uh, see the first wave of that when uh, this old guy with like a trashy dog tie up outside. <laughs> he got on the house to describe it. sit hanging out yeah. outside. 
By the grace of Eternia. Gogol! Gogan! Where are you? Yeah, he come he comes out and he's he's like, oh, trouble, and he uh, rings raises the alarm, and we get to see the goblin army. They got these really cool uh, goblin ships that have like a like a little X-wing pattern on them, and um, their plan is actually like a real one that people used to do. I was reading a book about Genghis Khan right now, and this is exactly what they used to do. They would they would um, harass the outside villages to hope that. The people from the villages would flee to the uh, inner palace and uh, cause chaos in the main cities. Because, oh, that's exactly what they yeah. did. So yeah. they go there because they don't have enough food. They don't have a place to put them. And they've got to get it, get everything together. And mm. so that's exactly what happens. They're trying to uh, sow chaos in the kingdom, which was, which was kind of interesting, I thought. We're under attack. This can only be the work of Skeletor. You must excuse me, Great Arm. I must attend to my people. Guards! Guards! The ramparts! And so at the kingdom, we uh, see some uh, soldiers on the ramparts. I love whenever we get to see um, the army. That's real fun. Yeah, I do like the army. And they've yeah, got it's, their it's, turret they, set up. Yeah, all that the whole scene is just really neat. Like the, I, I mean, like you were saying earlier about the uh, the actual like fight sequence and stuff like that is actually well <laughs> well orchestrated. I would say. I thought it was gonna be. Um, uh, a silly one-on-one fight the whole time. We're actually seeing like the setup for a real legitimate battle. Yeah, um, we were. We often talk about how uh, the stakes in the world in Shira seem so much more real because they show like the villagers and then what they have to go through and whether they're going to get captured or whether they have to pay tribute to the horde or whatever mm-hmm. and how that's a stronger show generally often, you know, because of that. And this, it was a real treat to see those same stakes. In He-Man, because I think it was stronger for it. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the forces that we see amass outside of, of the castle. So the villagers are running into the palace, and they're trying to shut up the, uh, the, the walls to the kingdom really quickly. Let them in! Let them in! One man, I swear to God, I saw one villager run in. He was only wearing underwear. I saw him too. He was the last <laughs> one in. He was naked I and just him. underpants. He it was, was so yeah. funny. It was like, uh, yeah, he was just in his bed. And, uh, um, you know, the, he heard the alarm sound and he's like, whoa. <laughs> and he's like the, the old, uh, the BVD villager. He's yeah, so funny. He's been watching TV in his underpants and he's like, whoa, what's happening? And he just messed around. <laughs> Goblins. <laughs> run of the castle. Wear pants in your house. That's a that's a PSA for everyone. You have done well, Tataran. The palace is surrounded. It will soon be ours. So the uh, the, the troops that we see outside, they've got like the dinosaurs. They've got uh, giant banners. They have the ships. Um, they've got awesome. these uh, siege machines, like these robot walkers. Yeah, yeah. They like the War of the Worlds spider things. Uh, meanwhile, Ohm is just floating there. If you're wondering what he's doing, he's like not helping or anything. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, <laughs> he's taking it in. Uh, oh, yeah, I think even at one point, Skeletor remarks, as, it's, it's just some dumb weapon they've got or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, he instructs them to ignore the big gaseous man. <laughs> the goblin's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, they, they, weren't, they weren't thinking too hard. But then they show everyone else participating in the battle. They see... Tila zooping around on her Sea-Doo, which I love. Yeah, that was pretty cool. She had a good moment there. Yeah, and, and, and Orko has a good moment, too, where mm-hmm. he turns some of their lizards into, like, dorky they, lizards. Yeah, he turns them into George R. Binks's. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, 
Uh, Ram Man does some stuff. Stratos has got a ray gun. The goblins have jet packs. They're shooting ray yeah. guns with jet packs, yeah. like a Flash yeah, Gordon or something. Yeah, it was really neat. And that's when you saw the, the uh, world, the world's uh, walkers uh, shooting lasers at things. Um, so this is absolute chaos. And then that's when Ohm or he-Man in the sky finally <laughs> finally st stops and he freezes everyone. He's like, "It is wasteful," which is a good thing to say. This is not good. I cannot allow this to take place. It is wasteful. It is wrong. There will be too much needless suffering. Yeah, and he covers them in what looks like rubber cement. Although it was just, I don't know, gas ooze. Although mm -hmm. it wasn't, it was just a. I, I don't know what it was, but there gas was gas ooze. Gas ooze. <laughs> okay. But then everyone is literally frozen, and he says, "Yeah, the battle is wasteful." And then you know, in order to settle it, they're going to have to pick two people to fight and whoever wins that battle decides the fate of the battle which okay that's fine if you want we to. like wrestling this is good for <laughs> us <laughs> yeah it's fine because we like wrestling but then also it's just like well if it's wasteful then why even have a battle why don't you just tell them to quit you can make them just stop you just be like quit fighting or i'm gonna keep you in goop for the rest of your lives and he's like no you can still fight just do it fun yeah it's, it's it's almost like he was trying to settle a, like a philosophical debate in his head. Like, well, whoever has the biggest muscles, I, I think they might be right. He was just bored. He just wanted to play video games. Yeah, what, what if he just cho what if he chose like He-Man and then somebody else that was just like a... a, a He-Man and Goblin board? number seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what, what if he just picked that? Like, it just, is it, was it random or did he pick the two best people? He had to pick the best people. He probably just who's got the best muscles. Yeah, he true. has good definition. <laughs> he I man can versus... see your body fat. Yeah, he man versus Beast Man. <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> Beast Man's got good muscle. Hey, man, watch trouble on the fish head. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he picks He Man and Skeletor. Dun, dun, dun. This is Skeletor. I love all pets that belong in a terrarium. <laughs> Here's Act Three. So, He-Man, it's just you and me. It's not too late to call this off, Skeletor. So, uh, thankfully, this <laughs> this is not a tedious fight. There's actually some uh, fun stuff that happens here. Yeah, that's another thing, because we've seen them fight a million D times, and they like there was care taken here with... <laughs> with uh, Skeletor trying tricks on He-Man. Yeah, it fight. wasn't just somersaults. Yeah, it wasn't just tumbling. It wasn't oopsie daisy left, oopsie daisy right. It was, uh, it was fun. It was clever. There was uh, it, uh, just a quick list of some stuff. We've got Skeletor. I think animated an evil tree, and He-Man scared it off, and it ran away. Yeah. That's um, Skeletor had this extended sequence where he made these power balls, and we didn't know what they did, but he warned He-Man that it'll be very, un very unpleasant if it hits him, which was kind of funny. Uh, he summoned some, a giant mound of lard over He-Man and dropped it on him at one point. There's a boa constrictor. Yeah, and then, of course, Skeletor's momentum fails when he summons this bug and he keeps trying to make it stronger and stronger. <laughs> but then, like, it crumbles under the weight of his ambition and, like, you know, the, the bug doesn't work and he kind of frenzies and, um... He means says, you're enraging it! Yeah. <laughs> you're enraging him! <laughs> I was like, what a, what a crazy existence that little bug has had. He's like, what am I? <laughs> 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 Like five seconds later, he's just bigger and madder. I, I also enjoy that. I think He-Man or uh, Skeletor did it like two or three times, where he he 
laughs hysterically and shakes his arms. Oh yeah, he's yeah. pumping his fist in the air. That was funny. Yeah, yeah, yes. he was having a he was having a Love grand that. old time. Love that animation. And he says, "How you vex me!" <laughs> so uh, he man saves both of them by um, does he just sort of chuck the scorpion or to save Skeletor? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And that's when when Ohm thinks he's he's seen enough. Enough. And again, I'm not really sure on the etiquette here, but I'm pretty sure that if you're like an all-knowing ball of gas, you should not just like go to people's planets to quote, observe them, and then like directly interfere with what's going on. test them. And then test them and lecture them about how they're doing. Because I'm like, that's just rude. That's just bad manners. You don't go into somebody's house and tell them they're doing it all wrong. You're not super nanny, okay? We didn't call nanny 911, gas. He's doing? He's home. He does what he wants. Apparently... Must be nice to be a big old ball of gas. Just show up wherever you want to. Like, hey, y'all, like how y'all doing things? How you doing? Well, Ohm likes He-Man's self, self-righteous self Oh, everybody lesson. loves He-Man. He's always doing kindness. And help people, even your enemy. I love when they put shadows on them, too. It looks it's, ridiculous. It's always weird when they do that. Like, yeah. quit acting like this is good animation. Don't worry yeah, about like, it. Yeah, like, I, yeah. He-Man is... Just paper make them dark, basically. Just yeah. make them dark. All memory of tonight's events have been erased from their minds. You are a young race, but you have proven yourself worthy. You have something more powerful than mighty warriors or destructive weapons. So Ohm pretty much says, uh, you have something more valuable than muscles. You have love. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he leaves. Aww. Uh, and so they have to leave on a light note. So our tag is in the uh, royal court, and Orko says he wished he would have had a crack at Skeletor, and he's got like a little wooden sword, and he knocks some drapes down on top of himself, and they do the crazy laughing. I thought that was kind of cute. Yeah, I enjoyed that too. <laughs> yeah. Who turned out the lights? Oh, Orko. <laughs> <laughs> So what we've learned here is that Sky Daddy can kind of make you quit fighting a little bit. That's what we learned. Is that pretty much what the moral was? Um, uh, Fighting won't prove who's right. I was going to say, the moral was don't fight, and then Man at Arms says, see you soon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The tone's kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was. But I gotta say, you know, as like the whole the premise of it of this would have been enough to make me irritated in another episode. You know, that this ball of gas that mm-hmm. he could just float over here and say what he wants. Um, I would have liked to have seen a dandy ball, ball of gas. That would have been funny. Yeah, he should have been more aristocratic, but that's yeah. okay. But this episode had so much neat and interesting stuff going on. I really, I wound up really enjoying this one. Yeah, I really loved the war tactics. I, I was so worried this was going to be just a long indulgence in um, animating a, a fight scene. But the buildup to the actual war and the real tactics and the logistics of how many men, how many gold pieces each goblin's going to get, the jet pack uh, flash gordon guys this was this was pretty awesome i've got to say especially for a he-man episode uh i would have to go 4.5 goblin rocketeers and i said 4.3 so okay yeah. yeah i was i was going to say mary uh 4.2 yeah okay. it was it was good it, yeah uh, for all those reasons yeah I, just the extended fight scenes and stuff like you never you don't really you don't really i guess you don't really think about that or like see it that often like actually them getting an army and then fighting mm-hmm. the king 
you know, it's just uh, yeah. seeing how the castle defenses work. Like it's fun to see like the the laser turrets on the on the castle walls. You know, because the castle Grayskull playset you got had the little laser turret in it. I, I like I like seeing them actually have to use that. Yeah, and even King Randor get in uh, <laughs> yeah. through his through his mace or whatever, yeah. whatever it was that yeah claw ball. Yeah, yeah, add somebody. That was cool. Yeah. So uh, surprisingly good one, surprisingly interesting one. I, I, I liked it. Yeah. Okay, well, that is our show for today. Thank you for listening. Next week, we'll be reviewing Season 2, Episode 3 of She-Ra, Out of the Cocoon, in which we formerly meet Flutterina, who enchanted us with her fairy godmother voice during the Christmas special. If you'd like to follow along with our show, you can find our episode guide at thewizardsnightshirt.com. If you have questions or comments for us to discuss, you can email us at rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and subscribe to our show on iTunes. We want to thank you for listening, and please remember, first contact with aliens is a great opportunity for your first stand-up act. space probe that we launched last year to explore the solar system, well, I'm afraid we've succeeded far beyond our wildest imaginings. What is it, Duncan? I have made contact with an alien being. 